0: Hey there, Pastor Lars Hammer here from Lord of Grace in Miranda, Arizona. Welcome back to the Walk Through the Psalms Bible Study. Today we're gonna to look at Psalm 79, verses 11 through 13. We're gonna look at these three verses. I'm gonna read these verses through for you and then I'll give you some of my thoughts. So here we go. Let's take a look at this uh, well, we can read this through one verse at a time here. Let the groans of the prisoners come before you. According to your great power, preserve those doomed to die. Return sevenfold into the bosom of our neighbors, the taunts with which they taunted you, O Lord. There we go. Then we, your people, the flock of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your Praise. All right. So there we go. Uh, this is an interesting psalm. I picked it primarily because that first verse really struck me—the one about the groans of the prisoners. The psalmist wanting God to listen to the groans of the prisoners. So let's kind of pack, unpack this a little bit, verse by verse. Uh, but that first one that caught me: Let the groans of the prisoners come before You, O God, or come before You, O Lord. Comes later. Um, what's the psalmist talking about here? Uh, well, you maybe get a little bit of a context. Uh, prisons in the ancient world weren't really like they are today. There was very few examples of prisons being a place where people were sent to be punished. Prisons were where they held you until you got punished. And usually the punishment was something Because it was the ancient world, it was usually something pretty brutal. They beat you, they cut off a body part, or they killed you. And death was the punishment for a lot of crimes back then. So honestly, most people who went to prison, technically you could have gotten off in a trial and proved your innocence. Most of the time that didn't happen. And people could be captured and thrown in prison for all sorts of things. They might not necessarily have even done anything wrong. right? We know that today people get thrown in prison. Uh, People can get framed. People can be given unusually harsh sentences, right? You know, you're the person that had a pack of marijuana and, you know, instead of getting a couple years, gets 30 years or something ridiculous like that. Um, So that's one way. Another way to look at this is to look at it not so literally. So picture when it writes this, let the groans of the captives come before you. Maybe that's an easier way to look at it. It makes it feel a little bit more like, a little bit more like they're victims of injustice and a little bit less like they're bad guys who did something wrong and deserved it. Because I don't think most of us honestly come to God on a regular basis and say, hey God, I really want you to listen to the complaints and the cries of suffering that people in prison have. I think most of us would probably tend to say, you know what, you're in prison, yeah it, yeah, it's miserable, but you know what, you should have thought about that before you you know, stole that car or beat that person up or whatever it was you did, right? So we would sort of feel like the groans of the prisoners shouldn't even be listened to because they're just whining and they need to, get, they need to accept the consequences of what they got. If you think of it maybe more as captives, it makes a little bit more sense. You think of them as more victims of injustice. Um, and so, but this is the request, let their groans come before you. Kind of think of this as like a royal image, right? You have a king, um, or there was an episode in one of the Game of Thrones, right? Season four, and what's her name? Daenerys Targaryen is sitting there. She's conquered marine. I'm going to nerd out a little bit here, right? But she, she conquered the city-state, and she's sitting in the, on top of the throne and decides she's going to, rule and, not, and uh, listen to the people. And so there's this line of people, they come up and they all plead their case. You know, uh, dear queen, you know, your dragon, you know, torched my goats, I'm poor. And she says, okay, fine, I'll pay you back your goats, that kind of thing. That wasn't that uncommon. I think most ordinary people never got near the king, king or queen, but um, you know, sometimes people were allowed to come and plead their case. And if you're a prisoner, of course, you can't physically come and plead your case to the king. Uh, but isn't it interesting that what they ask for is, can at least the groans of the prisoners come to you, God? You may be sitting there on your throne, but you know, can you at least allow their cries to be heard? Can you open the window and listen to them? Can you listen to their case and take it seriously? and um, you know don't let their cries be in vain it's kind of that's kind of what at, the psalmist is asking here lord uh, again according to your great power preserve those doomed to die so save those who are sentenced to death uh, don't let them get the death penalty which again you would assume you wouldn't ask that if you thought they really were bad guys Maybe another way to think about this, a modern example, you know, would be if you think about this, like, think of the Ukrainians who got captured and then ended up in these Russian prisons that are just absolutely horrible. You know, I would have no problem praying, let the groans of the Ukrainian prisoners uh, come before you. According to your power, preserve the Ukrainians doomed to die, Right? So it's kind of, if you look at it that way, the prisoners are more victims of injustice, right? Or at the very least, it has an an image of a God who is so big, so expansive, whose grace is so great that there is nobody whose case cannot be heard by God, whose, whose, whose suffering is not God's concern, right? There's nobody that God has closed off and said, Screw you, I don't care what happens. That everybody, even the baddest of the bad, are still within God's grace. That that there's nobody who's outside of that. It's an amazing image of God. Now, it doesn't say God's going to give everybody what they want, but at least God's going to listen. There's nobody that God doesn't listen to. What an amazing, graceful image of God this is. Let's get to verse 12. Return sevenfold into the bosom of our neighbors, the taunts with which they taunted you, O God. This one seems to take kind of a little different tact. Okay, now what are they asking for? Well, they're asking for revenge. And the Psalms do this a lot, where they try to make a case to God and sort of appeal to God's nature. Um, Sort of make an argument, you know, um... God, th- think, of, th- think of what this does to your honor. And that, that, that argument, that case gets pled to God all the time in the Psalms. This concern of all these other nations making fun of us. Remember, the God of Israel chose those people. He chose that little group of tribes in that kind of obscure location. I actually should, shouldn't say that. It wasn't, it wasn't the most obscure location, but there was definitely a small group. I mean, God didn't pick... Egypt with the pharaohs or you know Sumeria with their ziggurats he picked uh, the Jewish people this little nomadic tribe that was always facing pressure from much larger kingdoms and groups all around them Uh, and I'm sure they got their city sacked and slave raided and and another common thing in the ancient world was to assume if you won the battle it's because your god was bigger So if the Jewish people have been losing battles, if they've been having a a bad time and a bad streak, if they've not fared well against these neighbors, it would make sense that the neighbors would laugh at them and go, ha, 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 your God's a loser, because if your God was so great, we wouldn't have been able to just take your city, huh? Um, So your God's a loser, ha, 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 ha. And so the psalmist is kind of appealing to God and saying, you know, you know, God, they're making fun of you. They're making fun of you, all those, all those other countries, the Moabites, the Syrians, Pharaoh, they're all making fun of you, you know? And what the psalmist is really asking for is, you know, God protect us from those people and get revenge on them for sacking our cities and whatever they're doing. But instead of just saying, God, I'm mad and I wanna see them suffer, the psalmist tries a different tack, tries to go around and says, you know, appeal to God's sense of honor. Because in the Psalms, that's seen as a very important thing, that God has a sense of honor and being made fun of by the other gods around or at least the followers of the other gods is seen as something that God would want to avoid. Uh, So that's the appeal. First appeal, listen to the prisoners and save those on death row. Two, beat the crap out of the ones who make fun of us. Not, not, just, not just get back at them, but notice they're sevenfold. You know, just lay it on heavy, God. Teach them a lesson. And what's, what's gonna be the outcome of all this? Well, verse 13. Then we, your people, flock of your pasture, will give thanks to you from every, forever, from generation to generation. We will recount your praise. So when they see you freeing the prisoners, saving people from the death penalty, and at the same time, beating up on those who persecute your people. Well, at least among us, we'll, pray, we'll be praising your name from generation to generation. Now, there's two ways you can kind of look at this. One is a little bit more cynical, like this is transactional, like this is the psalmist saying, you know, God, if, if you can take care of what, us, what we need, we'll sing your praises. Uh, you know, we've all kind of said that prayer, right? God, if you can heal my, you know, relative, I'll be in church every week. Um, I would have a church 10 times as big if everybody actually followed through on those prayers. But you know, we all do that, right? God, can you give me something in exchange? I'll worship you or whatever. I'm not sure this is quite that cynical. I think this is more, kind. Of, again, trying to sweeten the deal and make the argument that, you know, God, hey, look, you know, if you do these things, you know, we, we you will get praised. You know, that's one more benefit of doing all this. You know, think of all the praise you'll get. Wouldn't it be great to be praised? not just Not just today, but from generation to generation. Right? So the problem in verse 12 is your honor is taking a hit and they're taunting you. The solution in verse 13 would be your enemies would respect you, but we will praise you. Instead of taunting, you'll receive praise. So, I just found this a very interesting, kind of an interesting view of God, how it held together a God who is both incredibly graceful, gracious and merciful to people in a very difficult situation, whether they got themselves there or not. A God who is very justice-oriented and concerned about, you know, setting captives free, about righting wrongs, On the other hand, it's also a God who, at least the psalmist believes, is perfectly capable of getting revenge on people uh, and that this is something that should be praised. In the psalms in the Old Testament, God holds so many different sort of traits together at the same time. You know, God isn't just all shmarmy love and and that ridiculous idea that in the Old Testament, God is all just about war and wrath and punishment. There is war, wrath, and punishment in the Old Testament, but there's also a God who can be incredibly gracious. And if you only look at the war and you don't see the gracious part of it, you're really missing a huge part of the Old Testament and only reading some of it. So I see here, especially in verse 11, a very gracious God. and uh, that's the kind of God, again, Jesus will come along when he starts his ministry and he'll stand in his home synagogue in Nazareth and he'll open the prophet Isaiah and, it, and he'll read it. And one of the things that, he will, that it says is he came to set the captives free and bring release to the prisoners. And so Jesus is going to pick up on doing exactly what the psalm is asking him to do. And that's interesting because that was always seen as part of Jesus' job. And how many of us, you know, when we come to worship on Sunday, uh, we are thankful that Jesus was able to get arrested people out of prison. You know, I think we're more likely to say thank you, Jesus, for saving me from my sins than thank you, Jesus, for getting that guy out of the Florence penitentiary. But... That's what's in the Bible. That's what a gracious God does. A gracious God rescues people who are captive unjustly. All right, that's my, just my thoughts on Psalm 79. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, if you have a question or comment, feel free to leave that with me. I'll have to answer for you. Otherwise, I'll be back next week and we'll look at some more of these. God bless.